He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. Where we compare and contrast. We And, you know, doing that might make us a little strange, a little spooky. A little ooky. Altogether ooky, yeah. <laughs> if you can't tell by the picture uh, that you clicked on to get here or uh, our slightly non-rehearsed uh, intro. It's the Adams Family. And Adams Family Values. I'm glad we're doing both. We had to give you guys more. We felt bad that we had missed previously and not giving you everything you asked for. So instead of just the first Adams movie, we are doing both of them. And I think it's something worth considering. Both of these movies are strange, not just for their character, but in terms of traditional plot, in terms of story arc. There's a lot of weird things going on. And this movie is one of those movies that I feel like it doesn't need a plot. I want it to be the least conventional movie possible. I want it to have no story arc, no villain, just these family members doing their crazy things around their house. I think they've done that before. I think it's called The Addams Family. I know, but that's the point. It works better when there's no villain. I mean, both of these worked in their own way. Um, the, the first one definitely was a little bit more... Focused, I think, maybe a better way to describe it. With the story. Well, if that's the case, maybe. But the second villain is much better than the first. I 100% agree. Um, yeah, so, uh, quick overview. I mean, it, these movies are both well over 25 years old. So, these might be good movies to just check out for the Halloween time. Um, I'm glad we watched them during Halloween. They're a lot of fun. And there's even some Christmas and Thanksgiving thrown in there for good measure if you really want to play that card. I've heard some people like watch this as many times as they can. So, um, And the movies were based on the TV show, which was based on the cartoons. Yeah. Which, by, by cartoons, I mean drawn still images in newspapers. Cartoonists. And the, guy, well, the guy who did it, his name is, some, I think it's Charles Adams. But... You know that while he did the illustrations for the original Adams Family, like the all that stuff, I'm pretty sure he did the illustrations for uh, Death by Murder. It does. Or Murder by Death. It seems very similar. I would not be surprised if I found out that was the case. And yeah, I'm fairly certain that's the truth. Um, I can look that up at some point. But you know, while we were watching these, I had totally forgotten, and then remember that we went to see the Adams Family play. Oh, oh no! I remember the entire time because like that was a great little uh, like having now watched the movies and have seen the the uh, the the play. It was an interesting kind of continuation. So, well, I do actually want to discuss the the play, I, and we'll discuss that further on. Okay. Um. So I want to do just a quick plot overview because, in all honesty, both of these movies are very fun and very much where you need to. Um, you need to watch them yourself. Um, like I'm actually avoiding watching a uh, a review at the moment of a movie that's out because I want to see the movie itself before I watch the review to see if I agree or like I can see I, I notice all the jokes that they do and everything like that. So, um, but with this movie here, like definitely watch these movies. They're they're great fun. Um, they most of the actors do a fantastic job, um, and uh, 
it's just and the direction you realize that this is Barry. This was Barry. The first one was Barry Sonnenfeld's first like big budget direction. I know you were surprised by that. I didn't realize because I like when I think Barry Sonnenfeld, I think like Men in Black and um, crap. And that is it. Well, that's, I, that's all he all, ever that's, did. That's the one I know that he did. I don't. I, I like. I know I've seen others of his works, but that's the no the one I know off the top of his head, or off the top of my head rather. Um. So first one. Uh, storyline is pretty simple. Um, they, uh, Gomez, uh, and Fester are brothers and they had a big fight and Fester left and he's been gone for 25 years and they think that he's dead. And so they keep having a seance to try to bring him back. Um, and, uh, the Adams family lawyer, uh, is actually running out of money. So he's trying to find a way to get more money out of the the Adams family comes up with a really kind of stupid retirement plan thing that would be in his name, but it'd be okay and this and that. Um, but Gomez doesn't really fall for it. And then he ends up finding his loan shark has a son who looks a lot like Fester. Um, and so they devise a plan that Fe this imposter or in Fester. Nah. Works. Uh, is uh, the imposter Fester is gonna go in there and try to steal all the money, and uh, they'll make a break for it. So, um, but the story is really more about this other impo like imposter kind of falling in love and wanting to be a part of this family. I adore that you actually remembered and cared enough to spell out the plot in detail. Because for me, the plot is completely incidental to these movies. It, it's it. It both is not of these the point. Both of these movies is hey, let's take this, uh, this, this, these characters, um, the Adams family, uh, Gomez, Morticia, um, Wednesday, Pugsley, um, uh, Lurch, thing, and then Mama. She she got she has a few different names. I Morticia's noticed. mother. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Fester, um, this family is very strange. They enjoy pain. They enjoy the dark. They enjoy the macabre, the, the, uh, cult. They basically like, if you think of something, think of the opposite. And that's what they like. I love sunflowers. Well, they love, per, uh, uh, Venus flytraps. I love, um, uh, bright and sunny days. Well, they love cold, wet, rainy days. Kind of like, um, uh, 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 tale of or a series of unfortunate events before it was like that's what led them or what led that series to have uh, the point of the Adams family the, the point of the Adams family is not that they love dark stuff like your uh, gaggle of emo kids at the mall the point is that they have such fun such vibrancy with life and what they do they delight in, in torture and maiming and uh the, and being dead and waking the dead, all these things to them, the things that we would fear are the things they find delight in. And I think that is the real joy of it all. That's why I say the plots are incidental, because what you really want to do is just set up who these characters are and just have them do joke after joke after joke, just have them keep running into punchlines and deliver just these fantastic one-liners, all of which are insanely quotable. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um the 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 characters themselves are so fleshed out they're kind of like 
well, not Scooby, Scooby Doo is not a good one to say, but like Gilligan's Island, like you know, all of these, like those kind of classic TV shows. These characters were on for a long enough time that their characters were so fleshed out to the point where like they're caricatures of themselves in a way too, and it, and so you can literally take this character and say, oh, I wonder what Barney Rubble would do in this situation, and you would know what would happen because you know that character so well. So, like, with these situations, like, what would happen if uh, the school that the kids go to put on a play and they wrote their own play and they used Shakespeare and they had, like, actual special effects and stuff like that? And you get to see it. And it's so neat, too. That's what's great about the both of these movies is you, like, what they do is so natural and it makes sense and it's so nice to see. Uh, you can see it in the first more so in the second, that there that Perry Sonnenfeld is trying his damnedest to make commentary on white suburbia. Whenever they oh, have God. interactions with carolers or people at school or, uh, you know, in that play, the kids are doing this cute little flower dance and all of the <laughs> smarmy white men like and women in the audience are just... You like to get to know me. <laughs> ...are just uh, watching. And when they do something actually interesting like Shakespeare with fencing and blood effects everyone is just so mortified a little uh brat of a kid tries to sell them girl scout cookies she's like is this made of real organic lemons because I can't drink anything without real organic lemons they're like yes <laughs> and she's like well how about this I'll buy a glass of lemonade if you buy a box of girl scouts is it made out of real Girl Scouts? <laughs> like, I've heard that joke a few other times, but just the delivery of it was really good. Well, that's why I think we gotta talk about the characters. The characters are what make or break this. Uh, you oh, told yeah. me that Christina Ricci loved playing Wednesday Adams the best. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, uh, uh, Bette Midler in, um, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Bette Midler loves that character, uh, one of the Sanderson sisters. Loves that character. Winifred. Winifred. Uh, loves that character so much. Like, she's dressed up as her beyond then. Um, it, like, Johnny Depp and, you know, uh, pirate uh, Captain Jack Sparrow type thing. Uh, but, yeah, Christina Ritchie has said that uh, Wednesday Adams is one of her favorite roles she's ever done. Um, uh, she plays it wonderfully. Deadpan, but, like, like, to a point where it's not as monotone as it could be. Mm -hmm. Like, she does a really good job with it. This is not an analysis that comes from me originally, but it is a relevant analysis. The second movie um, is really about Wednesday. She's really the one who has like the intriguing, fun story. The, the B plot Besides, becomes the A plot. Yeah, yeah. And the, she has a bit of it in the first movie, but they really work on it in the second movie. Yeah, the plot of the B movie, I'm actually really interested in talking about. Um, the Because it offers different commentary that I think the director did not intend. Uh, the plot of the B movies again centered on Uncle Fester. Why they make Uncle Fester the and, important part of both these movies is astonishing because it's Chris Lloyd just hamming it up as and, hard as he like, can. And like Christopher Lloyd's kind of a taller, lankier guy, and they make him into this like weird, bulbous. Like thing. in the drawings. Yeah, like Uncle Fester is a weird, oddly shaped person. So, like, how they achieve that is Christopher Lloyd has to bring his shoulders up and his neck down, and he has to, like, 
talking like this the whole time. It, it, it's a little disconcerting. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it was a little disconcerting, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why they make well, him yeah. important. He is Maybe not the important character. he's the only character. one that, like, you could actually do that kind of stuff with. Well, I uh, guess that's true. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad they never go into the infidelity route that so many married couples. Like, I, I really want to talk about them, but I'm going to hold yeah, off on that. Yeah, that's, that's a subject we'll get to. The Don't plot worry. of Adam's Family Values is a... Morticia and Gomez have a baby in like the funniest opening scene to a movie. Oh my god, that was hilarious. Uh, Gomez, I have wonderful news. I'm going to have a baby. Right now. Into the hospital room. <laughs> like, because they, 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 they announced it at the end of the first movie. Like, she's like, she's uh, knitting. Um, a little jumper a, a with little, three legs. Yeah. I was like, well, that, she's uh, really certain that the baby's going to be well endowed. Oh. <laughs> and the baby is born and Thing is in there trying to help. And he gets he gets knocked across the hospital and slaps another baby's ass. That and, was funny. That was so funny. And Martisha and Gomez are making out in the middle of delivery. And, of course, she plays it so well. She doesn't because she has to play Morticia as completely calm, never in a fuss. She shows emotion, but only in very quiet, subtle M ways. Very muted emotions. They're there. You see them. You appreciate them. You notice them. But they're very muted. It's important, it, though. I, I would say besides passion. I think she, like, everything else is, like, here. Passion is about two to three times that. It's still incredibly muted. She does all the acting with her eyes. Yeah, oh, well, and we'll, we'll, we'll hop on there's that a, in just a There's second. also a bunch of fun camera angles which we talk about. Um, and I think it's important that she has a different temperament than Gomez. It is super important. Yes, he is all... Raul Julia is all animation, and so we have to have someone to just temper that and be the straight man, as it were. And she's not, she's not like a straight man. She's not like deadpan or no. like... She she has her own lines that are incredibly funny. But she funny. has to play a, a quiet person yeah. as opposed to a loud person. And Raul Julia, I I think was made for this role. Oh, I yes. know I know that that man has acted in so many other things, and you know of course you know you and I think of um, the stupid Street Fighter movie. Of, of course! course, but like beyond that, I know this man is an incredible actor. And he was taken from this world way too quickly. Um, I would have loved to have seen him as an like an old man, like not like old old man, like eh, like like as an older gentleman. Like, can you imagine if they did a Adams Family, but like similar to like the play, but like where Gomez and Morticia are like grandparents, they're older. Mm. Can you imagine that? I think that would have been an, an amazing idea like we are we're doing all these reboots and these you know reimaginings and stuff like that and sequels and shit can you imagine a like a sequel to that like yeah. where they bring back everybody i know half of the people would be in for it so um but it oh my god that would have been that would have been so cool but i would have loved to have seen it but going back on to this movie he was made for this role i agree like john astin the guy who played Gomez in the show and I think he did the voice like any of the anime. Do you remember there was an animated Adams Family show? Did not know that. Oh my god it was insane. It was like in the same vein as the Beetlejuice cartoon. Oh it was boy. insane. But John Aston did the voice for that too. Like Wednesday Adam, they changed the, the probably the most drastic change was Wednesday and Pugsley. Like they were like quote unquote normal children but they played different ways instead of like 
oh, we're playing with checkers or playing with a goddamn guillotine or something like that. Yeah. But, like, Wednesday is real deadpan, but she's not, like, like, oh, my God, I hate that. She takes after her mother. Yeah, she takes after her mother, but she's a little bit more monotone than her mother. But, like, in the animated show, Pugsley is this, like, maniacal little asshole, and Wednesday is, like, this kind of sweet little girl. Weird. Yeah, it it, it didn't work as well, because... I remember Scooby-Doo actually met up with him at one point, and they, like, escape into a room, and then there's Wednesday Adams. She's just smiling. She, like, has no, you know, no, no, nothing besides the pupils. It's weird. a weird character toy, so. <laughs> well, the second movie is all about uh, Morticia and Gomez having a baby, and the other children just wanting to kill it immediately because they don't like it. It's here. So yeah, they... they the, the jealousy. So they hire a nanny, who uh, is played by... Um, Oh, I know who this is. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you do. Don't that. be that. Don't leave me hanging, cause we all know who it is. She comes in to take care of the baby, and it turns out she's actually a black widow in that she marries rich men for their money and then kills them. And the actress's name is. Stop! I'm not even going to try anymore. Oh, okay. How about this? She's a very famous brother. I know. I know. I can't even so, think of who the brother is. I'm so lost right now. I'll give you his. I'll I, give you his. No, I'll give you his first name, John. Yeah, I know. I can't think of the last name. Cusack, Joan Cusack. Yeah, see, I knew that. We all knew that. You don't have to embarrass me on live <laughs> audio. We all know I knew who it was. She's Joan, great. Joan Cusack, who whenever she is able to step away from John's shadow a little bit. She has Oh, I find real... John Cusack to be highly overrated. I, in certain roles, absolutely. In other ones, he's perfect for them. But Joan, when she's allowed to step out of that shadow, she does a great job. She <laughs> really, really does. And this is, like, you could yes. tell she had fun with this role. She does. Uh, remind me to never uh, lean on you for support in answering one of my questions when I have a failing, because you'll just leave me to twist in the wind. Uh, I literally helped you get to that point. I could have just said it. Could have said it. I was trying to help. You are my to... black widow. So she uh, sends the kids off Excuse to me. summer camp, marries Uncle Fester, and then tries to kill him, but he's an Adam, so she cannot kill him. She tries to, like, she tries to, like, put a toaster or something in the, the bath while he's in there, and, of course, electricity and Uncle Fester. Oh, I remember there was this, like, uh, uh, arcade game for the Adam family, and it was something to do with Uncle Fester about, like, you had to hold on to these, like, shocking rods for a certain amount of time. They weren't actually shocking. They were vibrating, but it was at a high enough uh, frequency that you may have, or intensity, you may have not liked it. But, like, you, like, after, like, a halfway point, it recommends that if you have any heart conditions not to do it, or if you, like, have problems with your hands not to do it. I went ahead and did it anyways. I got, I got, I got actually got the high score on it. It was so cool. <laughs> your tolerance for pain is high. That's good to know. Those vibrations in my hands, but. It's good to know. <laughs> um all right so that's the plot again the plots are completely irrelevant so yeah let's it's more talk about, about the situations more about the scenes the situations they get put into yeah let's talk about uh who i want to talk about most i want to talk about morticia and gomez yeah uh, yeah that's that's fine go ahead okay so we all know the archetype of the sitcom family there yeah. is a strict no-nonsense mom who has to have the rules, who nags on her husband for not getting certain things done, is clearly in control and a power grip, whereas her husband is a bumbling oaf who can't, doesn't know left from right and just continually fails at showing her any sort of 
affection, or love. Uh, but gosh honey, darn. Where is my keys? On the hook. Right next to where your hand is. Oh, thank you, dear. Yeah, uh, I know you like Modern Family, but Phil and Claire are so yeah. They're that they're that archetype. I think that's on purpose, but at the same time, they're they're the more modern version of it. So it works. At the same time, it doesn't. I get you. So here's the cool thing about Morticia and Gomez. They are nothing like that. They, I think they still are, but they turn it on their heads enough that it works so here's, well. Here's why I can tell they're nothing like it. Because their marriage is not sexless. Oh, God, no. The, the dance scene in the second movie? The champagne corks popping? That's yeah. a metaphor. Huh, I but wonder what for. Here's the thing, though. Like, that's why it's super important. Because think about it. Husband and wives in television rarely show affection to each other. And when they do, it's because they failed at something and they're trying to make up for it. Like, oh, I love you no matter what. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Which goes back they're to like, the 50s and oh, Donna you, Reed. Like, oh, you rapscallion. Sorry, dear. <laughs> okay, but you can imagine, like, Morticia and Gomez are going at it constantly. Oh. Claudia, I'm surprised they only have three children. They adore each other. It is so honking apparent. Their they, their relationship is one of the healthiest and one of the strongest relationships that are around. Are those fireworks? Well, if they are, they're celebrating the Friday the 13th. I don't know what else they'd be celebrating. I, I, what the hell? Maybe we can cut that out. Let's see. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, they... Uh, that This relationship is one of the best around like everyone else you can find some sort of problem beauty and the beast stockholm syndrome um romeo and juliet they're too young and they're idiots you know like the classic like love stories like every love story usually has some sort of problem except for this one well technically they're murderers so nah they were acquitted <laughs> jokes like that run amok in these movies and they work so well i love the jokes that's that's the funny part it started out as a comic so it makes sense that it should just be all about one-liners and setups what's really great though is that it's not just like they're sex hounds like always what's next oh they're, yeah they're but it's the passion yeah like, we know that they're 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 very they have a lot of sex but it's because they love each other. Exactly, it's they work, a passion for them. And then they work together. They scheme with each other. They don't just go off into their own thing. Uh, they clearly care about each other. Um, I even don't even care that there's not much of a, a, you know, Bechdel test to speak of going on because Morticia is playing a loving wife and a loving mother, and those are fine qualities to have. Well, like, she's not being mistreated in any way. Yeah, it, it probably. Fails it, but I think it's because of the plots themselves. Yeah, she's not given a lot of women to interact with besides her daughter, and she and her daughter have a good relationship. Yeah, and that's that's what a big thing is. is like, and she doesn't like tell her daughter that she has to be a you know a housewife or something like that. She like she like Wednesday could say, well, I want to go study poisonous spiders in Africa. She'd be like, send me back a postcard, like not and not like in a uncaring way, like we'll come visit you at some point type thing. Like, they, they would love that. They, it doesn't matter what these children go off and do. They're going to love and support them no matter what. Look at the play. Yeah. They're, like, they're going to support them. Or, like, send them off to a, a day camp or a summer camp that they, like, they sit there like, oh, my God, my children want to go to summer camp. 
well, have fun. Like they're they're like, oh my god, we don't agree with this at all. But you know what? It's your choice. If that's you're, what you want. We will yeah, let you do it. You're free to choose. So it's of course it wasn't their choice, but what have you? And they don't temper each other. Um, Gomez likes to play with his toy trains, and uh, he likes to sword fight. Uh, Tish likes to dance and garden, and she. Uh, it's it's just such a wonderful partnership. And and like and they and then what's cool too is they're not they don't always have to be around each other. Like don't leave me, don't you ever leave me. It's more like they allow each other to have their own things and to walk away, but they love to spend time with each other. And it's not a forced thing either. It's they genuinely want to spend time with each other. Mm-hmm. That's really really nice. It's absolutely nice. Uh. I really like how they do Wednesday, of course. I think they have... Gotta think it's partly of writing and partly because of Christina, so... Yeah. And her her B-plot in the second movie is some of the funniest stuff oh I've ever God. seen. She gets sent to... They take her to summer camp, but it's summer camp for white privileged kids. Yeah, like super... Well, there's, there's non... Bunch of wasps. Yeah, there's some non-Caucasian people there, but... But they get played... You can tell by the end of it, they are like... We paid all this money to get him here, and they get, and they get cast as the Native Americans. Ugh, what have we done? Such fools we were. All oh, the all I, the children who are disabled or have I, asthma get cast as the Indians. Where the pale, beautiful blonde girls all get to be pilgrims. Or uh, the guy from Numbers is in it. Do yes, you recognize him? Yes, he is. Little baby Numbers. Yeah, he um or uh, I rem- remember him as uh oh Bernard. From uh, the Santa Claus movies. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, you don't. Yes, I knew that, but yeah. I'd forgotten that role for a moment. But yes, you are completely yeah. right. I thought it was little Poe Dameron at first. It does look like little Poe Dameron. Yeah, they, they look similar, especially that age. Would have been too too far back for little Poe Dameron. Yeah, I think it was a little before his time, but it was uh, he. That was kind of a nice little character they they threw into that as well. And uh, it so that's where like Barry's commentary just like jumps out in full force. This waspy camp where the counselors don't encourage change but everyone conforms to the rule blonde pretty girls get but they're stars. but they're not like oppressive but at the same time they, they are, are oppressive in a way that's terrifying to an adam's cha- child oh yeah but they're, they're like <laughs> at one point they're like uh like don't you like don't you wish they would just accept that's the way things are here and that that they won't ever get around it that they would just die and then everyone says yes and she's like no, no, wait, no, we don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> it's like at she's the end like, of remember, her rope. Yeah, she, um, which the camp counselors are played by two amazing actors too, uh, Christine uh, Brinkley, no, Bransky, I who I love. She's been in a lot of movies. She was in like she was in the Grinch movie. She played. She was in the Mamma Mia movie. Oh my God! Probably my favorite character from the Mamma Mia movie. Uh we may have to re- review that at one point just so I can talk about how much I love her and that song that damn song does your mother know you're out <laughs> oh that movie was not great but the no. songs they did such a great job with the songs i'm sorry it's, it's because it's abba like we went to see it and all we did was just dance in the aisles the plot was irrelevant <laughs> well it was funny because uh well we'll talk about we'll talk about <laughs> that's that not review. why we're talking yeah, tonight no um and then the uh her husband is played by the gentleman who was in dracula dead and loving it Goosebump- uh, ghostbusters 2 um and uh ali mcbeal i always forget his name but he's very recognizable you see a picture of him you know who he is i've said that a lot <laughs> i've said that a lot throughout our podcast it's history okay. i'm not gonna call you out on it <laughs> so um but uh 
they decide to brainwash reprogram them by playing that is the that is probably the funniest line the three of them her and Pugsley and their friend Little Numbers are all thrown into the happy cabin, which is just full of pictures of terrifying Michael Jackson from his tour and unicorns and uh, teddy bears. And say, so, all right, so we're going to watch all these wholesome movies here, like The Little Mermaid and The Sound and, of Music. And, and Annie. And, and so they put it in, and uh, she's like, okay, it's all right. We can take this. And Little Numbers like, but it's, it's Disney. Disney. The just so great. It's too wholesome. You can't escape it. It's so great. Um, I don't know. I love the line uh, that they do uh, a little bit before that where they're like, all right, campers, we all know that you're amazing swimmers, but let's get certified of being a life-saving swimmer. And like, why don't we have you two step up first, uh, Wednesday and this other girl. Uh, and it's like, we need one of you to be the uh, savior and one of you to be the victim. And the little blonde girl goes, I'll be the victim. And Wednesday goes, all your life. So great. <sighs> On a, a different level. Yeah. Savage. Wednesdays at that special uh, time in her life with only one thing on her mind. Oh, boys. Homicide. <laughs> like, all great deliveries. Like, how, there, there's a scene in the first movie. It's like Halloween. And uh, she's like, honey, what are you dressed up as? <laughs> a homicidal maniac. They look just like everyone else. Just. She. She, every Fucking single time killer. in both of these movies, the minute the bad character, the villain, the woman comes into play, she means like, you're wrong. I know you're doing something wrong. You weren't really there. She, she sees through bullshit so fast. She's like her mother. I think her mother wants to believe in the best of people. Well, Morticia but she has can that see, scene. She can see straight. Oh, yeah. She, sees that, through. she sees that Fester doesn't know something that he absolutely should know. And she comes like take a walk with me and they walk through the graveyard and look at all the dead Adams members in that room in the in the cemetery and she turns to him and she's like as you can see you know we take care of our own as Adams I hope you understand that so like just quietly savage yeah she definitely has that that of her mother so it's so it's so nice that they that they played that so well like I really, really feel like all of the acting was pretty good. Um, the and it's really funny because we were watching the first movie and you're like, "Oh, the the grandmother, the no, morticious mother." Only in the second one. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say that. You're right. I was right. Say it again for the audience. For the second movie, you were right. Yay! I never said it during the first movie. I only no, said it during the second no, 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 movie. You said, you said it during the first movie. No, no. no what I'm saying is, because. I thought you were even still wrong for the second movie because someone else is credited, but I think I think it may have been certain scenes. But you no, know, Carol Kane played the mother in the second movie. I liked her. Lillian von Stuckey. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm not saying her last name correctly. I'm sorry about that. But uh, she's in Incredible oh, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yes, yes. Run, Lillian. Yeah. Yeah, run, Lillian. I love Carol. Great Kane. voice. Great voice. And from Scrooge. Which you showed me for the first oh time last God. year. And we're, that's gonna, that has to be on our list for Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, just so we can talk about how great it is. Maybe compare and contrast or what's the, maybe we can find a different, okay. Anyway, so I'm coming up with an idea for later, so. <laughs> so many ideas. Uh, so let's go back. Uh, and so we've talked about Raul Julia. We talked about Angelica Houston plays uh, Morticia. Christopher Lloyd, who did, I think probably did as best as he could. In this role. I wasn't crazy about that. I feel like he wasn't given proper direction for what Uncle Fester is. 
Well, apparently, they, uh, spoiler alert right here, if you have not seen the first movie, um, the, the whole point with the first plot is that this guy looks a lot like Fester, but is an imposter. Well, it turns out that they, I think they kind of tacked it on at the end that this is actually Fester, he just lost his memory. No, it because, wasn't. It's a, it's a no, plot device, because it doesn't matter. It's... What, what they, what they, apparently... All of the cast thought that that was what's going to happen, but the writing was saying that he actually was an imposter, but he just really loved being Fester, and he ended up becoming Fester in a way. Kind of an interesting way to go. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's why it felt a little uneasy, why the character was more consistent in the second movie. Oh, just all deus ex machina stuff. Kinda, yeah. I, again, plot is irrelevant in these movies. Yeah, and um, so... I wanted to talk a little bit about the visual direction. Yes. Um, and spe- there's some specific things. The specific gags. Uh, well, no, I'm not even talking about gags. I'm talking about like more technical stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about like the house and the the sets that they built. How grandiose and macabre and just attention to details. Like I, I, I honestly feel like I could drive up to like the northern part of the United States or like the north or the northwest part uh Pacifica um you know like drive up there and I would find this house and I could walk into it with all the cobwebs and all the dust and the roses without the uh the the actual petals and you know I feel like this house exists because of how well they did that um I wanted to give a, a shout out to that but I also I wanted my my one overall gripe is gotta be the thing with Morticia's eyes. It's not a gripe. It's a stylistic choice. It's a stylistic choice, and I understand why they did it. You didn't notice it in the first movie, and they did it the entire time. The first movie, it was more subtle. It was... It was... It's because she didn't move as much. When she was standing still, she was able. you were able to play those highlights across her eyes. But if she has to move during a scene, it's hard to not move no, in and out of that and show they, off there's an edge to it. They, they sh- The very first scene of Morticia, she's laying in a bed, sleeping asleep. And Gomez is talking about her in the great line of, I would die for her. I would kill for her. Either way, what's bliss? Just great line. This, this whole, both of these movies had those... But, like, while she's laying there, her face, maybe even from, like, her upper lip up, is is specifically lit that way. I liked that one that way better, but it felt like no matter where she was... They had to do it, yeah. They had to do it in the second movie. The first movie, I didn't notice it as much. If you watch it again, I promise you, every single time the camera is on her, that light is playing across her eyes, because they made it purposeful that way. I I understand, and I'm I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I'm saying the first one did it better. The second one, it annoyed the ever-living crap out of me. Like, I honestly felt like someone was standing there with one of those, like, light-reflecting, uh, like, trays or whatever, so that helps, like, No doubt. Lights. I bet they did do that. It just annoyed me. Because, like, I already was instantly, my eyes were on her because she's a very striking woman. Angelica Hughes. Okay, Raul Julia was born to play, you know, Gomez. Angelica Houston was born to play Morticia. 
You're gonna like her in the next movie. Watch. Oh yes, I'm I'm excited for that a lot because I've not seen I've not actually seen it. So this will be a very this will be, yeah, well kind of like this one. It's first impressions. So <laughs> like I've seen bits and pieces. I think of both movies, but I'm really glad I, I actually took the time and watched both of these. So, um, but I did. I, I want to give a special shout out about that, and then I wanted to say my gripe with the movie with the that with that specific that they. They did. I did not feel like they did as good of a job with it in the second movie. It was well more in your face. Did you like the library gags? Whenever they opened up certain books. <laughs> oh yeah, it reminded me of uh, the Page Master. Yeah, so they'd open up a book like the sun also rises, and it'd just be a beautiful sunny day, just pouring out and saying hi. Or gone with the wind, and it's like a like a, a huge breeze. Like that was great, and I bet that that's all visual gags that I bet the creator thought up that wasn't like I bet that didn't even get come from an original because that's just a fun unique idea it really was um I liked the uh uh the amount of time it took for him to get to the vault oh yeah like like in in the first part you hear the vault like he goes into a different room and you hear down boy and, and a lion roaring and... You know, and, and then like and then he comes back and it's like minutes maybe and the other one he like you, you had to go down a giant slide, you had to pull this chain, you had to go through this moat, and then you had to go into this room, and then you pick this one thing up, and then And then they start gondoliering down yeah. a giant underwater canyon. No, that's, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying with the moat. It's like, it's like 20 He plays music st- while he's <laughs> yeah. gondoliering. There's a really fun shot in there that I think you noticed when it happened. In where uh, they go into the vault and the imposter fester is like, there's nothing oh, in here. My and then he's like, go get something, go get a drink for the bar. He gets something off the bar and the camera is fixed on him, but the entire room rotates to reveal the this, actual vault. Oh my god, that that shot was really neat. Like I could tell when it started to turn because there was a, a bit of a jolt. Like I wish they'd made that a little bit cleaner, but beyond that, it was still because I thought like it just it opened up and like he was like. He just, like, all of a sudden was, like, imagining all this. Like, I honestly, when it first happened, I thought when he smelled the brandy. He was remembering Exactly. His yes, yeah. that's exactly what I thought it was. It didn't end up being that, but I that would have been a really cool tra- uh, segue with that. But I it, thought it, so, too. But it, it was not like that, which is not a bad, which was not a bad thing. The, the, the fact, I was not expecting that. And then sometimes I can see those shots coming. That one I didn't see coming, mm-hmm. so that was really well done. If we're going to talk about good effects, we got to talk about Thing. Thing, yes. Especially for early 90s. Oh, yeah. The the guy who was Thing, who was credited as Thing, is a, he's a magician. He does something with his hands. He, that is amazing. I think he might even be in the one who was um, uh, Gareth the Goblin King's hands in uh, Labyrinth. Oh yeah, who did all the magic trick with balls? Yeah, I'm gonna look this up as we talk because I re- I think I'm right, but I'm not hundred percent sure. But yes. But thing is just a walking hand. That's the fun thing about it. Even from the originals, he's just a walking hand walking around on the floor. He has no voice. He just taps and lets people know things that way. And the CGI, like there is, cl- I mean, obviously you know they had to do a blue screen, but except for the end, like, scene, which doesn't have anything to do with Thing, it has to do with Fester and the villains and everything, that's a huge CGI blue screen, and you can see it happening, but with Thing stuff, it's very seamless. It's very well done. They, the way they did it looked natural. Like, I, yeah. could, I knew 
You that, knew it was effect, but it didn't bother you to know uh, that. It didn't look like a bad effect. The, the guy who was thing was also the hand from Idle Hands. So just any any hand based movie, he is the guy in that. So far, yeah. Okay, he was not. He was not the guy who I thought he was. I'm sorry. That's all right. There was guys. I'm sorry, but David Bowie did not play with those balls. <laughs> no, no. They. It is. It is well known that he was not that. So no. Idle Hands was this really weird horror movie that like this stoner like his hand gets possessed. But nothing else, just this hand. Just the hand. Just the hand gets possessed. And it's young little David Sawa. Do you remember him? No. Uh he was oh god, he's been in so many things. He was in Final Destination, but he uh he was also he was like the the kind of boyfriend character of the chick in um Little Giants. Okay. Yeah, you remember like how his daughter like ends up kind of like falling or having a crush on this guy? Right. That's little Devin Sawa. Okay. Okay. So Beyond that, one of the he has two best friends, um, one of which is played by one of the guys from Mighty Ducks, the the guy like the real angry kind of bruiser guy, and the first one who has that kind of that hard shot. Aaron, I have a confession to make to you. Oh, dear God, no! Do not tell me that you've never seen Mighty Ducks. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I have to apologize. We uh we may have to come back because uh, I may have to have her watch all three Mighty Ducks. Are they all now? Really, are they really that good? The first one is amazing. The second <laughs> one is fun. The third one you see just to know that you've seen it. Just to, it's for your own state of mind. There is some there are some fun things, but it, it's really if you're only a fan of the first two. But this will be an episode. Okay. So. Going back. And then you will watch Ex Machina with me. Oh, God. At some point, yes, I will watch that movie with you. And then Seth Green is in it, too. Well, Seth Green's in everything. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so. much. And we didn't even talk about Lurch. Oh. Lurch, <laughs> who has a bowling ball dropped on his head from 50 feet and does not stop. The unstoppable Lurch. He, he goes, Ugh. And just keeps going. And then going. keeps going. He, he plays the organ beautifully. Oh, yes, he does. He's, he's got the fingers. <laughs> I wonder if a thing helped him out with that. There you go. Um, I do. The the female villain of the first movie is not worth discussing, but... she's She tries, but it just... It doesn't... It like it, She tries to become Mother Dearest or Mommy Dearest, but it doesn't really work. Nope. I just don't think they really gave her enough. But Debbie is absolutely a worthwhile villain discussing. Here's... Here's the funny thing, Aaron, and I'm going to throw this at you. Tell me what you think about it. Debbie is an Adams. She fits way too well in that family for her to be a villain. Everything that she does, even when it's diabolical and deadly, is fine with them. She digs up the corpse of their mother to take the ring off her hand. Like, that is an Adams family move. She belongs in that family, and it is hysterical to see them try and play that as a villain, because the villain to the Adams is not that. The villain to the Adams family is someone who is who is judgmental and wants to tear their family apart and is eternally bright and perky like they do with Wednesday and the ca- and all of the kids at the camp. Yes. I would actually I would agree with you on that because um she is insane 
Yes. In the ways that the Adams families are. I think if she wasn't trying to kill Fester the whole time, like she would have been a perfect addition. They even say that. I mean, they go to the house to see, to try and see him after he is supposedly said he never wants to see them again because he wants the nookie. And, and she comes down the I stairs. Did it all for the nookie. What the nookie? The what? The and Morticia is fantastic. She says, um, "You took him away from us. You put him under some evil sex spell, which I can understand and I applaud. But really, Debbie, pastels." <laughs> They don't care that she's a terrible human being. Savage. So it's so funny. Even when she's going to electrocute the entire family and brings out a slideshow, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I wanted ballerina Barbie. What did my parents get me? Oh Malibu Barbie. So talk they had about, to go. Talk about talk about monologuing in the best way. That was awesome. She, did, she devoured that scene. It was all about And they all, they're all so sad for <laughs> and her. they're like, but Malibu that was. Barbie. But what about what about Debbie? What about Debbie? Exactly. Like, they so care for her, and at the end of it, at the end of it, for her to say, "But did you ever really love me?" They're probably the only people in the world who ever truly loved her because yep. she's just as insane as the rest of them. And yep. even when she says she's about to lose him, she says, "Wish me luck," and they all say, "Good luck, Debbie," as just, she's about to kill them or like, try to. Did Did anyone actually love me? Can anyone else raise their hands? I'm trying my hardest. Like, yeah, like, they try, like, like, honestly, like, sure. We all did. We all yeah. thought you were great. She comes in. She loves the kids. She never once acts like she's a... Except one part with the baby. Because they're trying to let Wednesday see, ah, this is a bad person here. I can see this now. Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't play into character with any of the rest of it. So that's sort of weird. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. subplot with Cousin It is hysterical. Are you talking about like in the first movie? He's in both of them. Yeah, but in the, in the second movie, he's not really, he, they, they, they're just kind of there for a couple well, visual the, gags. The whole, the whole subplot with Cousin It, it's been, and then I, then I apologize, the whole visual gag with Cousin It is that he, there is the wife of the lawyer and she is not happy in their marriage because no one's happy in their marriage except for Morticia and Gomez. Apparently. They've got it figured out. Yeah. So she's at this charity uh, dinner in this ball. It's a professor coming home. And she meets Cousin It. And she's like, as all normal people are, is like, what is this being just made out of hair? And then her, her husband's like, you go dance with it. And shoves it to her and they start dancing. And then it cuts to them at several points during the evening. They're out on the balcony looking at the moon. And he's ta- she's talking to it. And it's just going, and just making funny oh, jokes. Card. Yeah, and then he, he gets in this little baby car. And she's like, I may never see you again. Like a little beaker. <laughs> no, it, we shouldn't. Call me. And he drives away in his little car. And then it shows up at the end. She, they show up to a costume party for Halloween. And she's dressed up. And they're apparently an item. And then the next movie, she gives birth to a little cousin it, which is called What? That's what the doctor named it. Yes. What? What? <laughs> and after the and she's, still, she's still her normal person self who's just decided to accept these people for who they are and be a part of their family. She still wears bright pink colors and she still she's likes to be a, bit, a fun lady. And yeah, she's, she's not, got a bit of desp- uh, like a sunny disposition and she's like, part of the family and that's that's what's so great about them for all the stuff about them liking the dark stuff they are no they are 
Not a single person in there is judgmental of anyone else. Except for like whenever the child, their their baby like gets rosy red cheeks and bright well, even yellow even then hair. they're not hating their baby. They just think their baby's sick. And they're just so worried about it because for them, having rosy cheeks and sun golden curls is a terrible thing. Something's well, wrong. If, and, and, and actually to uh, improve upon, or not improve, but to help validate your point, you're right because Morticia starts reading A Cat in the Hat or The Cat in the Hat. Because like, he knows that for you, I will do it. it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows he makes it, because he's sick, it makes him happy. That was, oh my goodness. It's a baby possession, only in reverse. (laughs) It's an (laughs) anti-exorcist. All right, so I do, I do want to talk a little bit about, and this is going to be one of those areas that, you know, people aren't going to know as much about, but you and I actually had a very unique opportunity uh, to go see uh, the Addams Family musical that they did. Um, They started it on Broadway, and then they did a tour, um, so we saw, I think it was the second run through of the tour. I want to say it wasn't the first run through. However, they did a really, really great job with it. So how you were talking about like with Fester being the main focus of the first two movies, uh, Wednesday is definitely the focus for the play. All the, all the other characters come in at some point, but Wednesday is kind of the focus and that I feel makes the play stronger. Um, they do a good job with Gomez. I wasn't super crazy about Morticia. Huxley was kind of an asshole. I imagine it must be hard to act on stage to deliver the same kind of reserved performance. You have to act for the chief sheet, so you can't play the same quiet, dignified Morticia. But she, it's still, it was different. Um, apparently, uh... Angelica Houston did not play it like the whenever she did whenever she was cast as the as Morticia. She decided instead of trying to play it like in the sixties TV show, she played it more like Grey Gardens, like kind of a not a suffering but kind of a, a an heiress that's you know been around the block a few times, but it is is wiser for it type thing. Um, I kind of got more of a bitchier vibe off of the the Morticia in the play. Uh-huh. It, I don't know if it was direction. I don't know if it was writing. I don't know if it was acting. I, so I cannot blame one particular area. Was she terrible? No. But there, I don't know. There's, I think it was when, when it, she was with other characters, she was fine, but it wasn't, it's not the same kind of Morticia as it is in the movies. Like, like I felt passion like every time that raw julia angelica houston stepped into these shoes and played these characters i felt like these characters came alive i honestly felt like these characters existed because of their passion for each other i did not feel that passion for the the mortician on stage i did not feel that size the gomez tried his best i still don't think he was able to capture that but i think sometimes it's when you play off each other so it may have been the interaction between the two of them, but he did a better job than she did, and I think I, I don't know what it is. Probably better though to focus on the writing because interpretations will vary with each. Production. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't say that one person does it better because of you know one specific thing. It, it's it's more than just the acting itself. There's going to be many different things. Like Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face is like. Just sounds amazing on paper. 
or I'm, I've, or I've got it backwards. Sounds terrible on paper, but he did a great job as Two Face. You know, it just doesn't help that the movie sucked, but at least it wasn't Batman and Robin. So, <laughs> but I I have to say, I actually really, 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 really like the Broadway musical, the the Adam Sandler musical. It was a lot of fun. It, it was very. It was like it was all. So many jokes. They kept pausing the play for the audience to stop laughing. They, oh, yeah. They were definitely waiting for the laugh track. You know, didn't Michael Fester get a solo song in that, too? What is up with all this Fester stuff? I didn't like the Fester song in the play. It was too drawn out. I like the effects that he did with it. Yeah, it was very cool. He was hovering against a sea of black, and there were all these arms, I guess, from different stagehands helping toss this giant moon prop around that it made was- it look... Yeah, it, it was, was really very cool. cool, but unnecessary, yeah. like or drawn out. It was, it, eh, eh, <laughs> eh. Um, <laughs> I loved Gomez's songs. Like, I have never lied to this woman. I shall never make this face break. You know, like all like it does the song, but it, it keeps coming back. Like, I will never again lie <laughs> to this woman. I will never lie four times. He has to keep doing it, and it's just real funny. So, um, it. I think my favorite part is just kind of how it ends, like, uh, how. Uh, the like because the whole plot of the musical is that Wednesday has been away at school, and has finally come back, and she's bringing her boyfriend, and his parents. Oh, little numbers. No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) Uh, <laughs> sort of little numbers, but he's not. Um, I, I really, it's, I don't think it's, it's definitely not the same character. How about that? I really liked that joke at the end of the second movie, where he's like, "You ever think about getting married Wednesday?" And she's like, "No." Well, if you did, you know, what would you do? You know, and she says, "Well, Debbie was sloppy. If <laughs> I had a husband, I would make sure to do it right." <laughs> and then. I would scare him to death. He's like, no, you wouldn't. And then Debbie's hand comes up, grabs him, and, and Wednesday just smiles. I'm like, oh, she likes him. I don't think that was actually Debbie's hand. Because if you remember correctly, Debbie was fried to dust. Yeah. There's no literally no so, physical way. So, I, think, I, think was was, I think it was Pugsley. I think it was She was playing a trick on it, him. Exactly. To show that she liked him. Exactly. I think you're 100% right. <laughs> so Twice in one podcast? Boy, you yeah, are in a right. good mood. <laughs> So this these movies put me there so um I, uh, so i i think if you have a chance watch both of these movies yeah. um and if you if you definitely if you get the chance to watch the musical watch it i i think the writing is good enough i think how the characters develop throughout the story itself the songs were pretty cool too i loved the last one the and the actress who played wednesday actually did a really good job she's a little too intense but beyond that she did a really really good job too intense that was christina ritchie's setting was too intense no christina ritchie was that like uh that raven-esque like i'm monotone but there is passion there the wednesday in the play shouted too much Like, she she projected, but she also had a shout too much. It was weird. I recommend these movies for Valentine's Day. (laughs) 
I, I these are the first one is definitely a Halloween movie. I mean, both of them actually do a double feature for Halloween. I would say it's just as good as Hocus Pocus, if not better, because Hocus Pocus Ooh. has that troubling virgin timeline, which never <laughs> I'm never okay with. <laughs> no, the the reason I would disagree with is is that Hocus Pocus is a better Halloween movie because it takes place at Halloween. But if you love the macabre, and I know most of our friends yeah. are just waiting for Halloween because then they have an excuse to actually show off all of that love. If you love the macabre, then the Adams Family is the way to go. They yeah. never let up for a second. They are God, constantly... No, no. The gate growls at them. The oh, God, that's bear, funny. The polar bear rug is alive. Uh, they throw <laughs> daggers at each other. It's fantastic. It's so good. Uh, it's like um, the Crypt Keeper. Crypt Keeper but for kids. Uh, there are stagings where a baby's uh, neck is placed inside a guillotine. It's all great fun. Yes. Oh, like they draw, they're like, they, the whole cannonball scene is like, the cannonball weighs 20 pounds. The baby weighs 10. What what should hit the ground first? The cannonball. The cannonball, yes. But which will bounce? Let's test. <laughs> and like they drop the baby off the roof and Gomez just happens to be sticking his arms out. It's so great. Because, you know, it could be a point that they, you know, wait, how was that? How do you mad at that? Because that's what they do. But they they are smart enough parents to realize you're feeling like there won't be enough love to go around. Yeah. And that one of the children had to be, uh, like, <laughs> we had to get rid of one of the children. And, like, the grandmother is like, not anymore. <laughs> well, that's all it was. Like, the acquitted joke and, uh. Oh, my God. And, like, they're like. Little Timmy here is the uh, top of his class and is reading at a 10th grade level. Bugsley here is, uh, was acquitted for the trial. He was a juvenile delinquent. He's a juvenile delinquent. He's just smoking a cigar. Yeah, like, it, it, and uh, I did want to point out too, look at how supportive Gomez and Mortish are. I think I mentioned it a little bit ago, but specifically, like, they go to their, their children's plays. Like, they participate with them they enjoy spending time with them it's not like they're just like oh god we have children oh such a drag it's more like children you are the light of our lives what can we do oh, to have fun with you today well, or how can we grow you as a person that's barry's whole commentary is that this is repressed bunch of white suburbanites who don't care for their husband or wife don't care for their children except for what prestige they can bring them and then you have these weirdos who love each other, love their children, want to be involved. It's so fantastic. <laughs> well, it was like, usually children, that like when the babies say, usually children that are like this become tax evaluators. <gasps> Lawyers. Oh! Presidents. No! Not in my house! Take me instead! Oh! Mother, stop! You're scaring us! <laughs> oh, there's so many... So many wonderful, wonderful jokes. And then the scene, they had to put on this stupid Thanksgiving play, which is terrible. Oh, and, and we, inaccurate, too, We by didn't the way. even talk about that. Wednesday has this, she's been apparently brainwashed, and she takes part. Hello, I'm Pocahontas, a Chippewa maiden. And she's smiling and just doing the, the whole white girl thing. And <laughs> she comes up, the other, you know, white girl comes up to make friends with them. And then she just stops her. And she starts to soliloquy about how the Native Americans will be repressed. And then they just light the whole prop village on fire, tie up the camp counselors, roast them on a spit, and and it's, it's, it's so 
It's so bad. It's so good. And she's like, so racist. So good. Just like, like you thought you could suppress me. Ah! You've tried. Many have tried. Many have failed. Better people than you have failed. It's so. It was so good. I I knew that was what was gonna happen, but like like she breaks into a smile and she has like that kind of that like oh my god kind of vibe I'm like yeah. she's totally putting it on right now. It's so good. She really does become my character. Yeah, she does. Christina Ritchie, if you're listening, we would totally totally love to have you on here. Mm-hmm. By the way, loved you in Penelope. Yeah. Best modern fairy tale I've ever seen. Aaron did introduce me to Penelope. I had not seen it yet. That's 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 highly on my recommendation list because not many people have seen it. The the concept, like a lot of people kinda not necessarily got turned off of. They didn't really understand it and it's it is the best example of a modern fairy tale that I can think of. I think so. So um that may be that may have to be an episode or we have to like include that in some sort of episode. So <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to do some sort of um, rate? Do we want to rate these? Well, we probably should. We okay. rate everything else. All right. So uh, we won't we won't rate the play, um, but we will rate the two movies. Sound good? Okay. So, what is your rating for the first movie? I don't know. Um, as far as introductions go, I think uh, the characters are really great in that. I think the jokes fly faster in the second one. I would think I would give them both 8 out of 10s. And I am not giving them higher strictly because of the way they have to structure themselves with three-act plot with villains that are unnecessary. Yeah. Do you mean three out of five? Yes, I do mean... I mean four out of five. Oh, you're giving them both four. Eight out of ten would be four out of five if you do your math right. Um, you know the same kid that played uh, uh, Mordecai in um, Children of the Corn played Cousin It, and, and, and he was that. out of he was out of the It costume. It's another point too. He was like the kid, like Jimmy here's the top of his great, and like that 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 kid that was. Oh, I missed that. That's like he looks familiar. Um, so you're giving them both four out of five. Yes. Well, I'm going to be a little bit more critical, and I'm going to say I'm going to give the first one a 3 out of 5. It did a really good job, um, but some of the it, it, the direction wasn't as strong. Like There wasn't as clear of a focus with that. I felt like, A, the, the villains weren't as good. Um, B, uh, the, the children were a little flatter. Um, and, and I didn't like that they... The, how the story progressed it like kind of was choppy the second one like even though we actually had to stop watching in the middle of it and go do something else and come back to it um i we i even within i still felt like the story flowed better (laughs) so it it, like it it was more fluid so um i'll give the first one a 3.5 i'll give this or sorry three and i'll give the second one a 3.5 so seven out of ten for adam's family and a 7.5 out of 10 for Adam's family values the sequel. Yes. They probably would have scored a little higher, but both of their logos were terrible. Terrible. That has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, you're absolutely... A little bit to do with the movie. But, uh, but absolutely uh, re- recommend both of these. Um, especially for this, this Halloween time. So Yeah. 
Um, well, let's do the plugs then. Plug party. Plug party. We still need to do this beforehand. We never do. You know what? Okay, let's say something. Think of something really good to say after the plug party for this. Because that will mean people will listen to the very end. Think of something really, really good. I'm going to give the plugs. Uh, so, you can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can find us on Twitter at Married Number 2, the Idea. You can email us at MarriedToTheIdeaReviews at gmail.com. And if you forget any of those, just go to our website, MarriedToTheIdea.weebly.com. And all of our contact information is on there for your uh, writing pleasure. If you have something really quick to share about the episode or one of your favorite Halloween movies, let us know. Uh, if you have a recommendation for a Christmas movie, because we haven't even talked about what all the movies. There's so many. Uh, yeah, we, we have we have thoughts, but we would love to hear. We actually did get a recommendation for a movie okay. um, that I think we're gonna, we are definitely going to take. Um, I don't know if we'll do it. I think we may do it in the November time. Do you want to share what the recommendation is? No. I um, The person who recommended it to me uh, gave me a, a reason why, and I think uh, that's a great way to kind of look at it. So, um, But we'll uh, – I'm being vague, but you'll see soon enough. I think uh, – don't ask us to do Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I we we I know we've mentioned this here's, already. Here's my five second review of Hocus Pocus. Bette Midler rocks it. The version thing is troubling, and you should watch it every Halloween. Done. Um, Bette Midler is amazing. Is the best. Uh, Jason Marsden as Thackeray Binks, the cat, is amazing, and I'm so happy I follow him on Instagram. Jason Marsden, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. Um, and uh. There's uh, a lot of um, great kind of ni- 90s nostalgia in there as well. Um, it it takes a lot for this to happen, but this movie actually makes me appreciate Sarah Jessica Parker. So, Oh, also, Kathy and Jimmy is a treasure. Okay, that review was good, but that was like five of my reviews. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's quality, not quantity, babe. Uh-huh. So, uh, I don't really have anything good to say here. Um, I, I guess a shout out to one of our now loyal listeners, uh, Nick, uh, Nick shared his story, uh, for national coming out day on YouTube and I watched it. It was very, um, inspirational. So, um, is Nick the guy you share birthdays with? No, no, no. Um, I, I, I don't know if he listens, but he, that's Ross. Yeah. My apologies. That, yeah, that's Ross. Uh, I actually, I, I work with Nick. So, oh, yeah. very cool. Yeah, so shout out to you, Nick. Yay. I uh, would like to give a shout out to our Lord and Savior Cthulhu. Uh, no, <laughs> I will give a shout out to a uh, podcast that I recently was made aware of that I am interested in starting, and that is called The Thrill of the Hunt. Oh, which was yeah. done by our now good friend Carson because we were in Pirate Fest together and now we are best friends. I guess, I guess we do need to talk about that for just a second. We because uh, they they yeah, gave I told us you there's something cool to talk about. I, uh, we we uh, they they actually mentioned us a few times in there, so we got to mention oh, them. So cool shout out. Uh, yeah, they uh, Thrill the Hunt is a podcast as well uh, by another married couple, Carson and his wife, who um, are smart enough to not drop the fifteen bucks a month on unlimited storage. <laughs> well, I think we've been taking advantage of that, so and I think we'll continue to take advantage of that. So, um, and I. Apologize to the hunts. I have completely forgotten Carson's wife's name. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible with names. Uh, m- uh, Mrs. Pirate. 
this is Jerry. Miss, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna brown nose for a second. Mrs. has a ton of patience to put up with letting or letting Carson come to all those rehearsals and doing this, uh, doing with his festivals kids. with kids like. Uh, and I, you know, I got to meet both of his kids, amazing kids. Uh, his daughter, his daughter, like, did so many of our shows. I think I gave her, like, 20 pirate coins. <laughs> she had little uh, lightsabers, uh, earrings, too. I thought that was so cute. I but... tell you what, I was cleaning up today, and I kept pulling out pirate coins out of everywhere. Oh, thank God. I actually wanted to keep a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, like, ne- maybe next year we'll, like, poke a hole in it, and I can actually have, like, one of those, like, medallion things, but... Oh my goodness. I had I had a lot of fun and even in the rain. Like I complained all day about the rain, but I still actually had fun in the rain. You're a big complainer, but you were a good sport. I I oh yeah. My feet I actually had to miss softball Monday night because my feet were hurting so bad. I had a I think it was just today a week later that my feet are all better now. It feels like they've been aching for years. Apparently, part of our problem is we need to have better souls, or insoles, rather. Well, Aaron, we all need better souls. That's what Jesus tells us. <laughs> you know, if you would actually laugh for realsies at my jokes, we might think I'm funny. Well, you are funny. I, I've said that many times in our relationship. You are hilarious. There's been, oh, God, even in the last couple of weeks, or even last week, I've been like, Holy shit, that was funny as hell. Okay, we're gonna tell the one joke that was just so funny that you died, and then we'll sign off. Uh, that sounds well, okay. So shout out to Nick. Shout out to Thrill of the Hunt. Yeah. All right, and in the spirit of Halloween and costumes, uh, we are getting ready to go to church on Sunday, and I come out wearing a dress. I like to wear dresses on the weekends and for church. I she just, likes to be pretty. I like to be pretty. I like dresses. Pretty. I like skirts. So I dress up. Uh, just in a dress. I don't think I'm doing that much, but I come out and Aaron looks at me. He's like, you look really nice. I'm like, thanks. He's like, no, really, like, you look too nice. And I always look like a bum next to you. I, I never feel like I'm dressed up enough. I'm like, oh, do you want to wear a dress? <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm like, where the hell is this? Oh, wait. I forgot. Yeah. I just deliver it, it like that really innocently. I just deliver it. He looks at me and he's like, I, I can't go to church today. I'm going to go die on this sofa now. You just buried your face in the cushions for like three minutes. That was so fucking funny. <laughs> or, sorry. Uh, that was so funny. It was so... It was just your delivery and the timing was perfect. Oh, my goodness. I've been known to accident my way into comedy before. <laughs> well, and you've been... You've purposed your way into comedy before, too. Because you and uh, uh, Rod... Uh, your your co-star for the weekend, because mm-hmm. um, uh, Carson slash Jerry was mine for pretty much the whole weekend. You uh, Rod was yours, and you guys had a hilarious uh, hilarious skit that you guys did too. So. All right. And if you tell me that I'm getting funnier, then I will tell you you're getting better at not interrupting me during the podcast. Score. I'll take it. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we're um, we're trying to continue. We're, we're really really late today or tonight um with this podcast we apologize but we had it obviously we did a lot this last weekend and then even this week we're super busy so but we're gonna try and keep up the two a week we're sorry if they're not always on tuesday and thursday but we're gonna keep up the two a week all the way up to halloween yes and uh we like i said we still have some very big plans um there are two 
this next week they're kind of more your speed and then the last week the week right leading up to halloween are definitely two i'm super looking forward to mm-hmm. um because they're ones i've been had i that i have loved since i was a kid and i'm really excited to talk to you about and being able to kind of share my voice on it so um we've got uh, other podcast. Oh, be sure to check out our other podcast too. Um, yes, Aaron's become a full time partner co host on our religion podcast, Talk Blindly, where I'm the dirty Catholic girl and Aaron is the agnostic. Yes, and um, we've got uh, a couple uh, guest spots lined up coming up soon for other podcasts. So yeah, um, I'm excited to finally go on someone else's and collab. I know, right? And we can actually like have like, hey, come check out our podcast too. Get all their listeners to come our way too. Woo! So, um, we'll, uh, we'll share more information when we, uh, have that. So, um, and we're also excited because we're doing a new editing process with this one here. Let us know if you find a difference in quality in this one as compared to the previous ones. Yeah, we would love to hear that. Like, because we're, we're, we're trying to improve. We're always kind of looking at things. Uh, we have a really decent mic for what we paid and now we're using a i feel like you have said that exact sentence 16 times in I the last not, 24 hours would not be surprised um but then uh we, we're also using a different uh recording and editing software so um until then i think i've stalled long enough <laughs> until then she's been elizabeth me amor How long has it been since we kissed? Oh, dear. Minutes. Minutes. And an eternity. (laughs) He's been Aaron. (laughs) And And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea. See you guys.